Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. NFL quarterback is one of the most pressure-packed positions in all of sports, and that means finding people that can not only survive but thrive in that role is one of the most difficult and important things we do. As analysts, we need all the help we can get to get stuff like that right, and today we've got one of the best in the business to take us to school. JT O'Sullivan is on bootleg. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Coleman, here with my wonderful co-host, EJ Snyder. Uh, draft season is almost over, unfortunately, EJ. We are nearing the end. We are nearing the time that we both love and dread, which is being live for roughly 20 hours over the course of three days, analyzing every single pick, uh, running ourselves ragged. But truly, I look forward to it every year, as much as I fear it every year. Uh, And this year is going to be even more special, because if you hadn't heard, we're going to be in Kansas City. We're going to be hanging out with y'all live over at KC Beer Co. the night before the draft. Uh, If you're from the Kansas City area, you probably know KC Beer Co. well because you've probably been drinking their Dunkel for a very long time. Very, very popular beer, and for good reason. It's wonderful. Uh, So we have details on the screen right now in terms of where and when we're going to be doing our pre-draft meetup for the first time live in Kansas City. And then, like usual, we're going to be hunkered down in the cave we literally got a place in kansas city with a literal speakeasy in the basement that we're doing our draft show from all three days every single pick somewhere between 19 and 21 hours live uh yeah it's happening once again ej we're here how you doing yeah it's half celebration half flog fest it is the <laughs> it is the top of the mountain in terms of all the work we do for the draft, and we get to celebrate and share it with all of you. But uh, yeah, at the end we're limp dish rags, and then we need to <laughs> you know keep going and do a wrap up pod. This year we're going to be partying with the KCSN guys and all their fans. Uh, there's details on that as well, so we'll include those too. That's on Sunday after the draft. But it's going to be fantastic. It's our first time being in the host city when the draft is going on, and there's just a there's an energy in a place when something like that's going on. Casey, we are sure, is going to be an amazing host to the NFL draft, and we're going to uh, eat all the barbecue we can. Take it for all it's worth while we're there. Yeah, I have a list of, I'm not kidding, 11 barbecue places that have been suggested. I don't know how many we can hit in in five days but we'll try to hit as many as we possibly can i'll just stop eating now (laughs) 
<laughs> and then, you know, I might be ready for that. Might be ready for that. But it's going to yeah. be fantastic. We're looking forward to seeing all of you in person, which should be uh, really interesting. We wanted to kick that off as soon as we kicked off this podcast in 2020. A little thing called COVID rolled around. We haven't really been able to do it. And we're happy to get sort of get back to the original intended purpose of this whole thing, which is drink beer, watch a little football and, and say hi to like minded folks. Uh, for people that are audio only listeners, by the way, because uh, I realized I didn't actually say the time we're doing it. That's Again, a, Casey, that's a great Casey point. Beer Co., Kansas City, April 26th. That's a Wednesday, day before the draft, 7 to 9 p.m. local time. We're meeting up there, drinking some Dunkles, talking football, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be beer specials, obviously, uh, appetizers, maybe some giveaways. So looking forward to meeting you guys there. Um, as for people that are not going to be in Kansas City, but still want to get even more draft content from us. Uh, starting this week, honestly, by the time this comes out, we probably already will have rolled some of these out. We have our first four position rankings going live on the Patreon. Uh, EJ and I have been watching film on literally, literally hundreds of prospects over the last three months to the point where I think we are now comfortable putting out our rankings. We feel we're in a good spot, so we're rolling out the first four position groups. EJ's been making all these beautiful stats tables and, you know, interesting information that, that you might not be able to find anywhere else because some of it I don't think is easily it's accessible. not readily available, that's <laughs> Not for readily sure. available. It's good stuff. I think you guys are going to like that. So if you're already on the Patreon, that should be already visible for you. If you want to get access to those position rankings and some of EJ's handy-dandy stats uh, over on the uh, bootleg Patreon, go sign up there, contribute to the show, support us get extra content everybody wins but uh with that being said intros out of the way as you heard very special show today we got jt o'sullivan on who uh, for my money is the best uh quarterback guy in football media especially independent football media i cannot believe a network hasn't snapped him up yet and we are very thankful for that uh but jt is is a phenomenal evaluator um and analyzer of quarterbacks and how he kind of translates that particular position to a mass audience is is very special and very unique. So we brought him on for a full hour talking about this draft class, you know, what traits he sees that are special to some of these guys and um, really couldn't be more thankful he took that time out of, out of his day for us. So uh, with that said, let's get to J.T. O'Sullivan. The legendary J.T. O'Sullivan from the QB school joining us. I know, I know he scoffs at legendary, but you really are. You are the quarterback guy in football media that I and, and many others turn to when we try to get good, actual, rational, logical evaluation of the quarterback position. You're it, JT. You really are. <laughs> I don't believe you, but I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> we brought you on today uh, for a very special episode because we're essentially building the dream quarterback out of this year's quarterback class. And there's there's a bunch of good ones, uh, a bunch of guys that are going to go high, probably at least four in the first round, potentially five, depending on how much you like or don't like Hendon Hooker, uh, which is an entirely different discussion. Uh, but we're building a dream quarterback out of all the different traits, both physical and mental. And we're going to go through 10 different traits, and you're going to be choosing out of this quarterback class which one you feel uh, is the best. And so we're going to go straight into best eyes slash processor out of everybody in this class. Who would you take? Uh, well, first of all, fired up to be here, y'all. This is fun. This is a podcast that I listen to, so I enjoy coming on and, uh, and sharing a little bit in my little niche world of this. But for me and these categories, 
Uh, this is probably my least favorite category. And what I mean by that is I just hate the word processing. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this kind of space that kind of feels this way. But for me and what I do and try to do, which is mostly film-based stuff as opposed to in-person interviews, anything like that, it's hard to pull apart You know how much of this is processing, how much of this is them taking advantage of what the scheme is there, who they're playing with, those types of things. So for me, when I turn on the film and I see that the eyes and how they're manipulating and how they're playing the game kind of on time, in rhythm, things that I think project to Sunday, there are a lot of guys that show some pretty good anticipation, really some eye-popping anticipation, but it's not consistent for me. So there are guys like Anthony Richardson who will make a unbelievable anticipation throw across the field on a speed out. And then the next play, you know, you know, it will look like the opposite will skip something that's late. And he's not the only one. I'm not picking on him, but the consistency of the processing, if we're going to use that word, for me, it's going to be Bryce Young. And the reason it's going to be Bryce Young is because when you turn on the film, it feels like he's got a great feel. Like he's never in a bad position. His eyes always seem like they're in the right spot. And he's able to do that kind of all within the rhythm of the play. But he's not bound by just being an in-structure guy by any means. And so it's that combination of of feel. And, you know, I think there's an element of playing for, a you know, what is in reality going to be an NFL offense with their offense coordinator going back to the league that he's able he he plays to me more of a veteran NFL quarterback than anybody else and it's really not close in this draft class. Do you attribute it more to pre-snap ability, post-snap ability in terms of, you know, how guys read out the field quickly and efficiently? What's what's more important there? Oh, I mean it's all important. It's hard to tease it apart and say, you know, 1 2 3 as far as anything like that. And and again, this is where my stuff is so incomplete. And this is where, you know, you'd get these guys in the combine, in the interview process, on the visits, and really be able to see what their football knowledge is beyond just the prepared answers. You know, everybody's got the prepared answers. When you go to a combine, they're going to show you your interceptions. They're going to say, what the hell happened? And you're going to, you know, everybody's got excuses for that. But when you can really talk through a lot of these concepts and understand the why and what are we trying to do and the rhythm of the game and that kind of intent for all of these things, I think you can really pull apart the guys. And when you turn on, Bryce Young's film there just are so many plays where you're like man that's just a great feel he throws the ball with you know the guy's able to catch it and run there's this ability specifically in 21 where it felt like he was overcoming a lot of deficiencies up front as well that you'll Mm -hmm. probably have to overcome at the NFL level that just look like translatable ball and it looks like something that you would expect from a five six year you know veteran guy on his second contract in the league and I and I it's not that other guys don't have some of that capacity and don't so show flashes of it, but it's the consistency and the high level that he's done in that for years now at Alabama that I think really separates him when it comes to his kind of eyes and ability to process. And the fact that he's doing it right now for a lot of these guys we're talking about, hey, we think or we see occasionally, we want to see it soon, we want to see it more. With Bryce, you see it more often and at a higher level right now, and that's, I think, why he's at most everybody's top of the board. What you said about pulling things apart on the board with players, I want to go back to because we've had the opportunity for the last couple of years now to actually sit with players, and it's funny because they start from that prepared place. Their agent has prepared them for what it's going to be, and we sit them down and we have to deconstruct that. They're actually kind of guarded because they don't know what we're about. And we're like, no, no, we're not here for that. You don't have to give us all the good answers. We're just going to like pull up your film and ask you what you saw. And they're like, really? The, the good film? 
And we're like, yeah, good film. <laughs> and then you you just see it; it all melts away, and then they're just talking football. And then we've we've been able to gain some really great insights from that. So I, I love that piece. We don't get that as much with quarterbacks, but you're right. Just looking at the film, not knowing, hey. And one of my favorite things about your work on your channel is you'll say, I don't know what the read is here. I would read this this way. I don't know which way they were told to read it. So based on what I see. This is what I think, but it is that incomplete piece, and it is a lot of assumption making. And, and I think it's really important uh, before I step all over you to, no, to at least acknowledge that. Like I really do mm -hmm. think, like I feel like there are so many people, and not in this space or this sector, but anywhere that speak with the certainty element of it that I really think is it, it hurts your work. Like it's disingenuous, and it kind of pulls apart from the actual ability to evaluate and analyze and pull things apart and make sense of them. And then the harder part is obviously projecting it. But the thing about the for what I love about, for instance, Bryce Young, is so much of what you see, if you blurred your eyes and maybe change the colors of the uniforms, it's gonna look exactly the same on Sundays. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. there are some health issues, you know, some size issues, some all that, whatever, that the obvious things that people will have to deal with. But for the vast majority of his game, it looks and it will be the same on Sunday immediately. And for me, I think that's pretty exciting because he plays at such a damn high level and there's so many things to like that it's just uh, it's exciting for him and for whoever gets him. Now let's go to one that's a little bit easier to just straight up see on film, arm power. We're talking about a cannon, can just launch howitzer shots, drive the ball to any level on the field. Who's your favorite in this class for that? Well, this one hurts me a little bit because this is not me at all. And that never was me as a, <laughs> as a player. So I was always, this is me being jealous. And I've been jealous of a lot of guys with this type of stuff. But I think when you turn on the film, the two guys that jump, there are a number of guys that have actually really strong arms. The guys that probably don't get talked about are guys like DTR uh, mm -hmm. in this same lane but for the guys who are at the top of the draft and probably the two strongest arms for me it's levis and richardson you know depending on how you want to define this i i think the choice for me is going to be richardson mostly because i i just like his release a lot better it looks mm. more consistent it looks smoother there's a lot more fluidness to it it looks more like the game is nowadays for me in the quarterback position as opposed to a guy like levis who's a little bit tighter wound a little bit you know not necessarily jacked jacked isn't like a bad thing for me but it just it comes it's hard to replicate a smooth release with a lot of different clubs when you're you know when you're so powerful everything's a fastball i feel like some of those guys struggle to throw touch balls consistently mm -hmm. but a guy like richardson his release is a little bit more snappy a little bit more whip-like that i think has the ability to not only have the cannon but also develop the touch stuff and it, it's certainly not there right now consistently but i think the development curve is a little bit easier for a more fluid release and you know especially you see that show up in some of his far hash throws which are even harder in college than they are in the pros because <laughs> the hashes are wider i mean a bachelor ball far hash as, as the crow flies it could be like 40 yards you know <laughs> so you know being able to hit that is is a pretty special throw and he didn't hit it all the time but on the ones that he did you're like whoa okay that's that's new. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he, an eye-popping guy for me. His his throw, and it, and again, it's the consistency element of it. But the eye-popping throws are basically unmatched in this draft class compared to Richardson versus anybody else. As far as highlights go, he's got it's popcorn stuff. Yeah, which you know that's why he's going to go top five. Um, you did mention touch, by the way, in terms of, you know when talking about Levis. Okay, he's got the he's got the power, but some of the touch stuff can be a little off. Um, but out of this draft class, who does have the best touch? You know, the ability to kind of 
layer it, float it, go behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. You know, and I think that that's it, it's a little bit harder to quantify because everybody has different definitions of it. But for your definition of touch throws, who is best at that in this class? Yeah, so there's going to be a couple in this kind of build a quarterback thing for me that are really going to be Stroud or Young and kind of toss up things. I I think Stroud uh, from the pocket probably can layer it as well as anybody and be able to throw kind of what most people refer to as all three levels and really the, you know, over the over the ball, pushing outside the numbers, down the field, all those types of things as far as a collection of throws and clubs from within the pocket as well as anybody. But for me, I'm going to go Bryce Young again because of I think he can do it. Maybe not doesn't have quite the arm to push it on some of those things. But the touch element for me is not only in the pocket, but out of structure. So out of structure, mm-hmm. he's able to create and throw those touch balls against on crossers back across his body, flipping the ball, little you know check downs with someone right in his face where he's almost playing point guard. Those kind of touch throws for me out of structure are what separates Stroud and Young here. But I mean, I'm really you know pulling things apart at a, at a fine level here because I think both those guys do it at a really high level. I love C.J. Stroud from within the pocket, doing what he does, touching the ball outside the numbers. But when I think, oh, man, I want every single throw off-platform in structure, Bryce Young kind of separates himself a little bit there from C.J. Stroud. It's funny you talk about that point guard piece, and I think some of it comes from his size, but a lot of it comes from the play. And you see I was putting together our quarterback table of sort of all the things we're looking at for our rankings last night, and his time to throw is a little bit higher than some of the other people in the list. And I think about all those plays he made at Alabama where he looked at it, saw it, went through what he saw, got outside, and then did something else. Those are going to add to, you know, time to throw. But, again, focusing on film first, they ended up with much better results from the play because he's got that mental ability that we talked about at the top to see it all, to adapt to it, and then get outside and do stuff from off arm angles. The thing I'm really impressed with him is, even though for his size, he can make really strong throws from just about every arm angle. He's not a small guy that needs everything set, like you said, wound up, feet in the ground to drive the ball. He can flip it and get some really good velocity in intermediate intermediate ranges. So that's something that stands out on his tape. This one's one of my favorites because this is one of the most important things for me with quarterbacks as I look at them is accuracy. Ball placement that makes receivers look good consistently fits it at like you said into sunday windows into tight spots who do you see that the most from because again it's not always there on college film in this draft class yeah this is a tough again tough one for me and i feel like i'm repeating myself because i think stroud and young have really separated themselves when it comes to specifically touch and accuracy uh, I'll, i'll add on a third element for this category when when i think of this draft class I think of kind of layers of accuracy. And again, having all the clubs in the bag matters. But when I think of the top, top things that actually do translate to Sunday, the ability to throw an accurate deep ball, I think is something that not all guys come into the league with, and certainly not everybody in this draft class has. And when I think just deep ball accuracy, if I could pick one little thing, arm-wise here, accuracy-wise, Hendon Hooker, his film is gorgeous to watch. I mean, the deep ball, and I get it, he's a product of that system, and that system is its own conversation. But I love his deep ball accuracy. If I had to, again, take into account all of those things that we talked about earlier in phase, out of structure, I'm going to go Bryce Young again. I think he throws the most consistently catchable ball in structure and out of structure. So if I was just 
if we could sparse these and be like just from the pocket, just from the pocket, pocket is CJ is CJ Stroud. If you're going to take everything, it's going to be Bryce Young. And you alluded to it earlier. I think a lot of people maybe do associate the size with arm strength. And I think when you turn on the film, that isn't necessarily the case. Now, is he going to rip, you know, 20-yard comebacks to the field consistently? Nobody is. Nobody is. But mm-hmm. does he have the ability to throw all the throws? Yes. Does he Does he just seem like he's able to do it in stride more consistently than others? I think yes. The other thing that I also have to acknowledge is sometimes, and this is my own bias, when I turn on Ohio State's film, you know, not everybody is going to throw to the number one receiver drafted next year. And I know that Alabama's had their dudes, but it's just hard when you're watching that C.J. Stroud video to not be kind of everything go to Marvin Harrison Jr. and just be like, this dude is a freak of freaks. And I can feel it kind of blurring my kind of viewpoint on what C.J. Stroud is able to do with his accuracy because he can make up for so many things. But what he, you know, he even when he wasn't in the game, at certain situations, C.J. Stroud still showed some great accuracy. But it, it's, you know, you could take either one. If I'm going to take in the pocket, it's C.J. Stroud. Collectively, it's Bryce Young. I, it's an interesting point about the, you're, you know, you're not going to get a, a number one receiver like that when you go to the NFL. And I, I look at uh, Joe Burrow. You know, when he was at LSU, he had Jamar, he had Justin Jefferson, he had uh, Marshall. He, he had uh, literally an NFL receiving core, behind an NFL offensive line, with an NFL running back. He had everything, right? Goes to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, he had T. Higgins there as a rookie. He had Tyler Boyd there, but he didn't have Jamar Chase. And I think one of the things that guys that come out of those types of programs with those types of receivers is sometimes it sets, like, unrealistic expectations for when they get to the NFL, like, what open's going to look like. You look at Josh Allen, he's at Wyoming playing with dudes that aren't getting open. So he had a a more realistic expectation of what open was. Herbert at Oregon, guys weren't getting open. Um, And then all of a sudden they get Jamar Chase and he kind of gets that guy back. And then we see Burrow really turn into what we thought Burrow was going to be. Do you think that Stroud, if he doesn't get a guy like Marvin in the NFL, do you think that he needs that tier of receiver to unlock him or can he grow into it and learn that windows are tighter and that he has to throw with even more anticipation, even more like just quick, 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 quick to throw it before a guy's breaking because he knows that he's not going to have a guy that he can just wait forever and still hit it. Yeah, I I think he can. I think when you turn on his film, CJ Stroud's film is outstanding. I mean, from the pocket, he drives the ball with anticipation and accuracy at every level, everywhere on the field but you can't take away the other element of it, or at least I can't, you know, to be able to say, and only time will tell because there aren't 32 of those dudes walking around and there just aren't. And so what it will look like for him, it will be exactly what you alluded to, tight contested windows more consistently. And it's not that he can't make those throws, it's, hey, can he make those throws and do all the other things that we think he's gonna need to be able to do to not only play, but win and thrive, win in the playoffs, do all those types of things that are just so much harder when you don't go into, what, 95% of your games as the better yeah. athletic team. It's just different. You know, it's 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 not that it's, you're not gonna penalize a guy for going for having great teammates, but you also, I think that's one of the harder things to project when all of a sudden your skill set around you is gonna be worse on Sundays but it is, you know, it's, yeah. it's part of playing in the league. And that's why it's so damn hard for me. I always think I, I know that there's a little bit of a recency bias with CJ Stroud, just because I think how he played against Georgia 
really kind of as that last stamp for me was like, oh my God, he can do this. If, why didn't he do this all the time? Like he didn't, you know, run around like this. He didn't, you know, make these types of plays all the time, I feel like. And maybe he didn't have to. Maybe they didn't ask him to. Maybe they told him not to. All those types of things that, you know, will he be able to do on Sundays? And if he can, he's probably going to come out as the best, if not one of the best guys of this draft class. And so it's, we'll all wait and see. But I think he, his accuracy and his anticipation from the pocket is as good as anybody in this draft class. Uh, just to hammer that point home, I was talking to a quarterback coach uh, a few months ago who his guy went to the NFL and he played with a Blitnikoff winner in college. And he straight up told him, it's like, look, you can still make that throw, but you got to make it earlier now. <laughs> That's the only thing is just, just make it earlier, make the exact same throw and you'll, and you'll be fine. Um, now transitioning from arm skills to running skills, and this this could be a a, a very wide definition, obviously, because scrambling is a lot different than designed runs, and you can take it however you want to. But in terms of like a pa- power and agility to make defenders miss or run over defenders, or really just getting yards with their legs, who do you see as having the most valuable uh, mobility in this draft class? Yeah, and so this is an easy one for me. Uh, this is, you know, I basically took it as, you know, who would I want carrying the ball for a team that I was calling plays for or my quarterback, and it's easily Anthony Richardson. I don't know if there's anybody else that's, you know, that you can project to be that type of runner on Sundays. It doesn't take away from there are a number of really good college football running quarterbacks in this class. You know, guys like Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, uh, DTR, Hendon Hooker, there, those are good college football runners there's just a difference and so to me anthony richardson (laughs) when you turn on his film his acceleration his change of direction his ability to separate is essentially the nicest way i can say it is it's fields ish to me you know like he has that kind of separation with size that just looks different than anyone else on film and so for me it's an easy choice you know i i would think he would be a you know immediate goal line threat short yardage threat and i would even be you know but Colin plays for him designing a structure to allow him to run the ball quarterback design runs to make his kind of transition to the league easier. I think it's something you'll absolutely see wherever he goes. The thing that sets him apart for me, all the things you mentioned and then power. It's so rare for quarterback to be able to run with power. And when Anthony Richard puts his head, Anthony Richardson puts his head down against anybody. Now I don't want to see that a lot in the league, but he can run over a linebacker and keep going and get up at his size and add everything else, the burst, the explosion, the long speed, the ability to juke guys. So I, I believe that the league is shifting to say, hey, while guys are getting it together, this is a skill set we want. And I'm with you. Anthony Richardson's in that area is head and shoulders above everybody else in this particular class. Now, I want to talk about feet again, but I want to go to something I think is really important that gets overlooked a lot, which is pocket movement, that sixth sense to step up, find that little extra half second to get the ball away because, again, most of these guys in the spots that are going to get drafted are going to have to do that pretty often, and if they don't, it's going to turn into a lot of negative plays for their team. So who's got the best pocket movement for you in this draft class? Well, this is, this is one of my favorite categories, too, because I think this is Sunday quarterbacking. You know, the ability to hang in the pocket and deliver the ball down the field at some point, you're going to have to do it. And so for me, uh, this is kind of two guys jump to the top of the class, in my opinion. And this is, you know, it's not to take anything away from his running ability, because I do think he's a unique creature. And we just talked about his running ability and Anthony Richardson. But his film and pocket movement was 
way better than I would have thought. Like I, I didn't expect it going into the film. I thought it would be a little bit more kind of like design, move the pocket, let him be an athlete outside the pocket. He's got great film of him sliding in the pocket, moving in the pocket. And I think it's complemented because he's such a freak of an athlete. There's so much change of direction, speed and explosiveness that it almost looks like a glitch. Like I almost think, oh man, my frame rate is jacked on this or something where like he like all of a sudden it's so quick and so move so you know, I hate this scouty term, but twitchy, where like he's just boop, boop, you know, everything feels mm -hmm. like it needs a sound effect. So yeah. much so that he almost sometimes does it too much and gets into like the interior offensive lineman. But he's got just this natural ability to be explosive uses explosiveness, but stay in the pocket that I love. But and so He's right there, but the guy who does it better than anybody else is Bryce Young. Consistently smooth, his ability to buy time and be able to use that kind of time clock to be able to hold on to it long enough and use all the different arm angles with all the different clubs. You know, when you turn on the film, he does it the most consistently. It looks the smoothest. It, those types of things that, for me, just show a great feel for the game. Now, I also have to caveat that by saying, if you're going to call plays for him or he's going to be your quarterback, you have to be comfortable with a guy being nine plus yards deep. You know, he's mm -hmm. able to do that because he's really taking kind of a unique footpath back there. A lot of a lot of guys in the league, specifically older guys with a little bit more of a rigid system, are not going to allow him to take a seven step backpedal. You know, you just yeah. it's not recessy football. And so what that kind of hybrid looks like for him, how he finds his depth, but also keeps that ability to buy time and avoid sacks and and move in the pocket and keep that playmaker ability in structure is going to be something that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on as he transitions to the league. But man, he's just so smooth and 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 polished from within the pocket that I just love watching him play. So nine yards uh, of a depth behind the line of scrimmage is kind of it's teetering on the edge of being unfair to the tackles. And you're, you're really playing on a knife's edge when you're that deep. And, and Pat Mahomes had a problem with this earlier in his career. It's like literally the only thing he wasn't particularly consistent yep. at was, was drop death. He would get like 11, 12 yards deep, and Mitch Schwartz was just f fighting for his life out there with like a horrible angle. And then all of a sudden, you know, we saw, especially over the last two years, he was really staying, being better at staying like around eight to nine yards, even if it meant him climbing up a little bit extra. Now, the thing is that Mahomes is a lot taller, so he's he's a little bit more comfortable when things are getting tight. Bryce Young is a little bit shorter, and so you know the interior collapsing on him and maybe getting five or six yards deep, if he's sitting around eight or nine, it might cause a little bit of problems, like what we've seen with some other shorter quarterbacks. We do see him throw with such good anticipation and everything like that. It hasn't affected him yet, but he also hasn't been in the NFL yet. So do you feel like... Knowing that it's probably best if he's a little bit deeper, so he's got a little bit better vision, maybe a little bit better uh, you know, windows to throw, do you feel like you have to draft a specific type of tackle that can handle that type of drop depth? Or would you prefer to either teach him a way to stay up higher? Maybe you kind of go with the Tom Brady method of I'm going to take a shorter drop and let the pocket just kind of collapse around me. Um, how, how would you approach handling that particular depth? Yeah, I would probably hedge away from trying to mess with the tackles and keep it more structure specific. So, you know, in most of these terminologies, you're going to have different types of drops, different types of pass protections. And usually most teams get really fancy, fellas, and just say deep, 
at the end of their protection. So deep, whatever, <laughs> deep two jet, whatever. And that just, mm -hmm. you know, pushes the depth back a little bit more for the tackles. But I probably would work with Bryce Young to maybe find a middle ground for what that depth looks like on his normal intermediate drop back game and and build the structure to maybe have a little bit more robust toolkit to help the edges. So every team does chipping. Every team does different motions, different formations to be able to do that. But just being as a play caller, an offensive architect, I would be much more cognizant of having my edges secure as opposed to just being like, it's third and 11, like, good luck out there, homie, hold on. You know, like, you know, it's a, that's a bad feeling when it's like a video game out there and, and, you know, you're really taking hits when you're, you know, 10 plus yards deep. And, okay, and this is, this is where I always feel like the best coaching thrives is you have to basically create the scaffolding to allow Bryce Young to thrive. So you don't mm -hmm. want to put him in a box and say, bro, you have to be at nine yards on this play. You want him to be the playmaker, but you also want the system set up as most as strongly as you can to support a consistent, healthy, you know, thriving Bryce Young from within the pocket. And so there's no easy answer. And that's going to be kind of where the sauce is made, to be honest with you, as far as where he goes and what that looks like, because I'll be fascinated to see what it looks like and where what his footwork looks like, because I'm I'm going to guess that most guys are going to want to kind of jack with his footwork a little bit and make it more consistent for the launch point for those tackles. Yeah, we talk about landing spot a lot on this podcast, and especially for quarterbacks. It's important for all players, all skill sets, but for quarterbacks, it just makes so much difference for many of the reasons you just alluded to. And, you know, the the question on every Carolina fan minds right now is, can Frank Reich deal with letting somebody go later in the pocket or is is the first thing from day one if they draft Bryce Young when he brings him in is to sit him down and say, look, in order to protect the rest of the offensive system, we need you to do a little bit more of this. And it's it's one of the most fascinating things and, and one of the hardest things to predict, which makes projecting these guys to the league even more difficult. Next category is tenacity or toughness. And I love this one because it's not something you get on highlights for the most part. On highlights, A, you don't see quarterbacks getting slapped around a lot, and you don't get what happens after they get slapped around. Typically, if you're watching all 22, you see that guy have to pull himself off the turf. And it's a skill quarterbacks are going to have because the NFL is full of big, fast athletes who want to take your head off. And they're going to they're going to succeed, too, occasionally. And if a quarterback doesn't have this, I think it's really hard for them to play well for certainly for a long time in the NFL. Who's your guy in the 2023 NFL draft that's just tough as nails? Yeah, so this is this is one of those ones for me that is that is really just based on the evidence we've seen up until this point. Just because I'm saying someone's not tough doesn't mean that they're not tough. It just means that they might not have had the opportunity to showcase their toughness yet. So if you play quarterback at Ohio State, you're not getting a hit that much. You're just not. Mm -hmm. If you play quarterback at a lower-level SEC school, you're going to get hit a lot. And so the ability to show your toughness is kind of is is not equal for everybody at this point. For me in this draft class, uh, it's not even close. I know that there are a lot of people that have a lot of hot takes about Will Levis, but one thing I think you can't argue is the toughness element. Dude played through at least three major injuries, in my opinion, this past year. Uh, and yeah, did the play suffer? Was it as good? Was it, There are all sorts of issues that you could potentially bring up, but what you can't knock is the toughness of being able to find a way to get out there and play. For me, this really, really matters. This will matter a lot in the league as well because you can't fake 
you know, there aren't a whole lot of soft cats in the league that make it very long. You <laughs> yeah. just don't feel good very often. And so the ability to endure and be really just tough as hell because you're going to get popped. There's nothing you can do about it. You you do everything you can to be in the best shape you can possibly be in. But at the end of the day, you're going to be a rag doll back there sometimes. And you've got to have the capacity to bounce back up and be there consistently. Your availability really matters. And for me, you know, I, I think that there are a number of concerns with Will Levis, but for me, if I was drafting him, I would know for sure I was getting a tough dude that we know can endure some significant hits, protection issues, and be available for us week in and week out. So I think it's a, I, and I think it's one of the best kind of badges you can wear in the league as far as being a guy who's known as being a tough guy, especially in a room where you know everybody's got a little money. There's you know everybody's got a little you know a little vibe. Everybody's an alpha. To be known as that tough guy, I think really matters and, and helps a lot of young quarterbacks. Especially, especially at quarterback, like a leadership position, like you want your leader to be the toughest guy in the room. Um, and and speaking specifically on Levis, it, the toughness thing is is part of the reason why I haven't really understood the the hubbub about him like being just completely shredded at quarterback. We've seen pe- some people on sports TV say that they don't like that. And to me, I'm like I I understand why he got super jacked because he needed as much armor as humanly possible to survive in that division against the defenses he was playing against. Like, obviously, you got Georgia there. You got Tennessee there. Even in Louisville, he's playing against three NFL-caliber pass rushers at Louisville. Like, he got hit a massive amount. And if he was a soft body, he probably would have got hurt even more than he than he already did. So I, I've i never really agreed with the whole, like, ah, it's not good that Will Levis is jacked because he absolutely needed to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think people who say that are probably just a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think everybody wants to be as big yeah. and as strong as they possibly can. I think the only negative, not the only negative, you just for for instance or for reference, you don't see a lot of bodybuilders as you know guys who are rotational athletes. You just mm-hmm. you know because, I, and I think there there is a point of diminishing returns. I don't think he's reached that threshold, but I think you know the amount of stress that he was able to endure and play and play at a high enough level to probably be picked in the top five, you know, is, is a real testament to exactly what you want to see and project on Sundays. It will be the same. He will take the same beating in the league and he will have to be the same tough guy that he's shown that he's been up until this point in his career. And so for me, I think it's a real badge of honor to be known as a, as a tough quarterback that can endure those kind of hits and keep playing. Now he, uh, Levis also felt a lot of pressure because of the environment that he was in this year to be a playmaker, especially when Kentucky was down in some of these games. And Anthony Richardson, same way. You know, Florida didn't have the year they wanted to, and he kind of had to put a lot on his shoulders. Say Stroud against Georgia, same thing. Or Bryce Young every week, considering this was not a typical Bama roster that we're used to. But out of all these guys, in terms of playmaking ability, like you just, you need something right now. Who in this class will do that for you? Yeah, th- this one is one of the easier ones for me in this draft class. And you already touched on all the guys who had the capacity to do it. But Bryce Young has done it for years now. You know, he's he essentially this is the thing I think separates him from everybody else. Uh, it makes up for the height issues, the size issues, his ability to create. And and again, I've mentioned it, but I think it's important to real to point out it's not just at a structure bailing. You know, I think when I think out of structure bailing, and this is this is not a comparison between Bryce Young and Zach Wilson, but I think Zach Wilson is a guy who's got the capacity to create, but it's almost always in a bail situation where he's just getting out of the pocket, makes some crazy throw, 
and it works sometimes. Bryce Young is a little bit more of that creative playmaker in the structure, kind of in the pocket. We already talked about the pocket movement, but also has the ability to get out. And he's not getting out to run. He's getting out with his eyes downfield, making all sorts of different arm angles, just being a creator. And that's the part. I don't think there's really anybody close in the draft class that does it as well as he has for the last couple of years across college football. So he's a blast to watch. This is kind of the, if I had to pick the factor that separates Bryce Young, it would be his ability to create and make plays. Yeah, I think that's where the the point guard moniker comes from because he does it so often. And I love the distinction you made of it's all broken down and guys trying to get whatever he can get or, hey, he didn't get it the way he saw it on first look. He's going to try and get it another way, but he's still trying to get it. Like That's a huge difference between, you mentioned Zach Wilson's game and Bryce Young's game is when that occurs, when he's forced out of structure, He's still on it. He's still with it to the bitter end. He made some plays at the split second before he got blasted. It was still the play he wanted to make. It was just eight yards later because he needed a couple extra beats to make it, where so many other guys, when we see them leave the pocket, the worst thing is their eyes go down, and that just basically leaves everybody out running routes to dry, or they're just running around chicken head cut off, and it's pure arm talent. And they're like, you know, schoolyard go deep. That's not how Bryce Young does it. And his ability to do that in, in spots that we'll talk about uh, at with our last category is, is just uncanny, and it is a thing that separates him for me. Um, let's talk about experience. This is a category you added, and I love this one. And it's you put useful experience, not necessarily CFB winning, right? Not college football winning, played a lot, seen a lot, maybe battled some adversity. Who do you like from an experience standpoint? in this draft yeah so this one has kind of two edges for me i think a lot of people and rightfully so have you can draw some negatives from you know being a 26 year old experienced college football player because you might be (laughs) quote unquote a little bit closer to your kind of maxed out potential or development and then there's the opposite there's the the flip side of that of having some experience of being a younger guy playing a few years and now you're first eligible for the draft and you're going to go and i think that's great too this is a little bit more of the true old school kind of approach to experience. And for me, I think that there is significant value really for guys who are a little bit lower, not necessarily the top quote unquote couple tiers of guys that come into the league with a significant number of college football starts. And so if you've played almost 50 games of college football, because some of these guys now are in these, you know, who knows what year you are. You could be like graduating med school with the COVID stuff and what the eligibility mm-hmm. looks like. You know, it doesn't know what super senior vibes. But when I look across the league, and I think it's probably there's an element of recency bias for me with Brock Purdy and kind of thinking that really helped him in his kind of transition into the league. And not everybody's going to go to San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan. But the ability to, to have a lot of starts, play a lot of ball, will help you if you have to play early. And I personally like when guys show continued improvement as well. So it's not just, hey, you're out there and you know you're going, you know, 500 every year or you're, you know, your stats are declining. I think it shows if you're getting going out there every year and you're getting better every year, that's the kind of trajectory that the league wants to capture and wants to take mm-hmm. advantage of your continued improvement. And so for me, I think that there are a lot of guys guys like Stetson Bennett guys like Max Duggan who bring in some real adversity, like had to battle for their college kind of thing and be able to take advantage of all that winning. That's, that is great. I just don't think that that experience, just because you win at the college football level and you maybe have a great team around you one or two years, that doesn't mean you're going to be a great pro. 
but the ability to play a bunch of adverse games, stay in the situation for a long time and get better, to me in this draft class, it's DTR. You know, I, mm. I, I think I think what he was able to do at UCLA and the, his ability to play just so many snaps in really kind of some tough situations, not always the greatest football, to be honest with you, but I thought he got better every year. And I think he's got a combination of skill sets as far as avoiding sacks, having a really strong arm, being a little bit of a playmaker, coming from a Chip Kelly type environment where it's essentially a pro environment that I think will give him a really huge head start to have a really nice pro career. Now, does that mean he's going to walk in and be a day one starter? No. But does that mean that he's got a chance to catch on somewhere and be there for a decade? Yeah, I really do. I think it does. I think his experience, as much as anybody this year, is going to give him an opportunity to thrive on Sundays eventually. Yeah, the quality that you mentioned that just rings true and it's very timely because on the day we're recording this Jalen Hurts just signed to be basically the highest paid player in the NFL and one of the things that we both said about Jalen Hurts after we saw him at the Senior Bowl in 2020 and his college career was every year he gets better like people saw his freshman tape and they went oh that's Jalen Hurts and it wasn't his story wasn't done being written he didn't allow that he continued to chip away at it and in a different way i'm not saying that dtr is jalen hurts i'm saying in that quality he has the same thing i see the same thing where he goes out he's a little bit better he improves now some people say it's not enough and there's some other things but there's an attractive quality of being a playmaker and just that little bit chipping away getting better and better that really makes me sort of gravitate if you're talking about day two day three guys in this draft like dtr is one of the ones that has my attention yeah i think you're right on i i just love the fact that you can point to the film and see the continued improvement and i and i think that there are a, very few guys that bring his combination of skill set into the league with almost 50 starts like yeah. that mm -hmm. 48 starts in college football is pretty pretty unbelievable because it does show his toughness his availability all those types of things that we've already talked about it just wasn't as spectacular of a career and the talent-wise doesn't pop as much as some of the guys at the very top of the draft. That that doesn't mean he can't develop into those types of things. And there are a number of examples, maybe not to the length and, and kind of recency of Jalen Hurts, but you can see the, the you know the ability to continue to improve, be able to keep going. And I think um, DTR is a, a good example, like you mentioned, A, of constantly getting better, constantly improving, everything like that. But I also think he's a good example of, you know, maybe – I don't, I don't want to use the term of like people don't understand the tape they're watching, but I think that there's there's so much context that gets lost when when people watch DTR um, because Chip's offense is it's not I don't want to say it's not translatable to the NFL, but it's different um, than a lot of what you see in the NFL. They run different stuff. They kind of do it their own way. Similar concepts just executed differently. But like even the the quote-unquote mistakes that DTR makes. I, I still think there's a lot of context that gets lost um, when people break him down. I don't know. I just, I'm a big believer in DTR and I feel like he has not gotten a fair shake by a lot of football media because maybe people haven't dug into him enough. And, I, you know, I have him as QB5 just like you do. And I, I truly think that if there was any guy I was going to invest outside of the first round grouping, it's him because I believe in that ability to get better. And, and I believe that there's more context to the lowlights that people aren't paying attention to. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I should also say that I love what Chip Kelly does in the run game. 
Like I love oh, yeah. UCLA <laughs> on many different levels. And I think it, it hurts him a little bit, DTR, that he's at UCLA, if I'm being honest. Like I love UCLA, the school, but it's not necessarily the national mecca and what people think of when they think of you know the last decade or two of high level college football and so that probably didn't hurt it help him with the visibility element of it and they just haven't won enough to if we're being honest but that doesn't take away from and this is where we get into the weeds the elements that he brings to the table that project well to sundays i think are can't be overstated for that kind of middle of the pack group that we've got this year coming out 100 percent uh now last category here and i i I'm very sure who you're going to say for this one because I was in the stadium for one of the hallmark moments in Austin. Bama's down. They probably would have been crushed in that game if, if Quinn Ewers wasn't hurt, but that's neither here nor there. Bama absolutely needs a drive to get it done. 110,000 Texas fans screaming their asses off. That was the loudest, up to that point, that was the loudest stadium I've ever been in my life. It was a wall of sound, and I couldn't hear the person next to me. And they still got it done. Is Bryce Young the clutch quarterback in this class yeah i mean he for me he is and and just for the reasons that you, you said in fact i i would add to that i would say that game is definitely the one that jumps from last year the other one that jumps for me is the, i want to say the auburn 21 game like the multi-overtime game i think it's oh yeah overtime game yeah. where it felt like he just took them on their shoulders and kind of did it with basically you know five guards playing in front of him it felt like it was just a it was those two performances separated himself. And this to me is one of those things where this is one of the most important categories, in my opinion, because clutch doesn't really capture what I'm trying to get at, but it's, it's the essence of elevating the huddle in the most important times of a game. So oftentimes fourth quarter, you often hear in the league, third down, those types of things, red zone, where you can look to say, hey, is this person elevating us more than anybody else? And it felt like Bryce Young just consistently did that at the biggest moments in some of the biggest games with the national spotlight on him. It just was never too big for him. The, the other part that I, I think I have to mention is C.J. Stroud did too versus Georgia. You know, mm -hmm. they win if they kick a if they kick a field goal there at the end of the game, that his story is different. And I, I I really do think that. And it's worth acknowledging the fact that just because some guys haven't yet doesn't mean they aren't clutch. It just up until this point, Bryce Young has set himself up that he just is a smooth killer in the fourth quarter when it matters most. And he's just done it so well for so long that if that we I honestly feel a little spoiled to get that kind of college football career, those kind of moments in just a really short two year span. And you get a little bit jaded, or at least I do, because you watch it over and over and over again. You see it from somebody else, and you're like, that's special. You see it from Bryce Young, and you're like, I every week, right? But you, you know, when that's the benefit of watching guys back to back, different guys is, yeah, there's different systems and everything else. But when it really matters, and we talked about this in our in our regular season podcast this year, when young quarterbacks make the jump, it's because they do this right? They can be good. They can be in structure. They can be efficient. They can have a great completion percentage. They can throw for a lot of yards, a dot, whatever you want. Right. But when young guys start to be considered are, Hey, are they in that group? Are they in the top 10? Are they pushing to be elite? Whatever language you want to put around that it's because they do this. Trevor Lawrence was a guy that did this this year. We started to see this in the fourth quarter. Right. And it's just like, give him the ball, man. He's in that place where he's 
pushing his team, and they're more likely right now going to win than lose if you give it to him in the fourth quarter. And if you don't have that, not necessarily sure it's something that develops. You'd know better than I would, but it does. It just doesn't feel like that's an insert, right? Like, hey, today we're going to work on clutch, right? The other part that I think is worth mentioning here is the games that we think of clutch, those happen, you know, maybe once a month in college football for these guys. It's every Sunday, you know, it, it matters mm-hmm. more. You've magnified everything is compounded because of how cons- how even all these teams are. And so you have to have these fourth quarter, these end of half moments that really impact winning more consistently on Sundays. And I just think being a guy like Bryce Young, you bring that confidence, you bring that tool kit tool chest into whatever system organization you end up with it's going to give you a chance to win more games quicker and he's a rare guy in the sense that you almost expect it at this point and i i generally try to stay away from mahomes comps because there's it's pat mahomes but i get i i get a similar feeling watching bryce young in high pressure situations that i do watching burrow or watching mahomes or even you know to a degree watching herbert um i'll give you an example i was at uh, i was at chiefs chargers last season in la and you know Herbert Mahomes throwing haymakers at each other like they always do and I I was down the lower bowl but there's a whole bunch of Chiefs fans down there too because we were down there and you know Mahomes got the ball with like a few minutes left to go gotta have a drive and they all just sat there completely unbothered it was like they expected to win and they were right they won but like that's that's the kind of guy that Bryce is where it's like three three and a half minutes left you're down by four and you're thinking like okay should I like, I know we're going to win, but should I try to beat the traffic? Like, that's the kind of discussion you're having in your head. And it, it's a rare thing that I think is underappreciated. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right on. I, I just, he's got such a such a calming effect around, like, the, the offensive unit that he's with. It never feels fast. I think sometimes with younger, inexperienced quarterbacks, things will look like they're speeding up or maybe too fast for you or things are happening that you haven't seen before. And it just with Bryce Young, everything seems under control. And it's the smoothness mm-hmm. that he's able to operate in those clutch moments that I think makes it even more magnified, that makes everything kind of seem like, wow, this is really easy for him, or this is why we expect it so often, because he does make it look so easy so consistently. And it'll, it'll be fun to see it translate to the league. I'm sure it will be rocky at some points, but man, I, that element of it, I think is really going to help him. JT, we can't thank you enough for taking time in the busiest time of the year and then run up to the draft to stop by bootleg. We've been a huge fan of your work ever since you started out on YouTube. Uh, you said you watch our podcast. We watch your podcast, too. Um, Religiously. <laughs> and and learn a lot doing it. That's We hear so many. There's so many sound bites in sports media today. People say things like it's never too big for them. Breaking that down and, and pulling out some of the threads about what that means or what makes that up is is content that we really enjoy bringing viewers, and there's nobody better to do that. I know you don't like the praise, but about quarterbacks than you right now. So I really appreciate you swinging by. Tell everybody where they can find your work if they haven't already. Uh, I'm The home base is YouTube, but it's uh, you can find me just about anywhere, and uh, I appreciate all the uh, the nice words for sure. I really get a kick out of doing this. This is some of my favorite stuff is – is talking ball with people that I think understand it at a high level, that love it, that are invested in it, that are interested in sharing it at a high level and elevating kind of the discourse around the game. That's just hard to do in that highlight world or in that kind of quote unquote, you know, talking head world where you're yelling at each other, where we can kind of have real conversations and kind of uh, bring everybody along for what we think. And then, you know, I'll be wrong in five years. So we'll be. <laughs> well, I, I know you won't promote yourself too heavily, but I really have to. The QB school Patreon is 
one of the most invaluable resources for anybody. Like whether it's young coaches, fans, like people trying to get into sports media, there's three different tiers for it. We'll put it on screen. You have as much film as you put on YouTube. There's even more on the Patreon. There's, there's courses, there's resources like you, you are the quarterback guy. And so if you're listening to this right now and you want to learn, you know, not just how quarterbacks do it, but how they get better at doing it. Uh, I encourage everybody to go to the QB School Patreon and and keep paying JT so that he keeps doing this because I would really appreciate having this t- this type of content forever on YouTube. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and I, I actually get a lot a kick out of the Patreon community because that group for me is really a little. I try to create like the vibe of what an NFL quarterback room is like, so it's a little bit uh, you know a little bit more R rated. They're a little bit, you know, it's just, a, it's just a more, it's just the same, the way that I watch the film is the same way that we would watch the film if we were going through a meeting on Tuesday or Monday. And I think that there is an element of just uh, of being honest with players. And, and for me, some of my favorite moments are when coaches or players will be like, hey, you know, I, I learn a lot just by getting a different viewpoint on this play. So even guys that I might be breaking down, I know have watched it and they might, you know, I might not know the read exactly, but a little nugget or something will be like, I just never heard that before. That helped me, you know, go back on the field and see this differently. That type of stuff is is really cool. So it's pretty crazy. I know you guys probably know this with your reach and your impact, but there are so many people that love this game that are just starving for information. And if you're yourself and you enjoy it and, and you're willing to share your kind of story, your take, your perspective, it's, uh, it's really re- rewarding. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk some ball. Love it. Thanks, JT. We'll talk to you again soon. See you guys. I love JT, love his work. I think that's pretty obvious if you watch the interview, but like you said at the top, for my money, nobody better to go through, give me a really enlightened perspective of what it takes to play quarterback, what all the things are that goes together, and how he sees that. Um, The honesty of what JT does is one of my favorite things about him, so really, really special time to be able to bring him to bootleg in draft season can't thank him enough for that and with that we are rolling towards the draft it is almost time we've got one more draft focus pod with a very special guest as well espn's own matt bowen matt's been on the show before so if you're a longtime bootleg listener or watcher you will have seen him but we've got a special one lined up for him um we will have one more live stream that's just sort of a party kickoff draftsmas eve from kc before we head out to kc beer co and do the meetup on that wednesday we'll give you details of that um and then we're into it that's pretty much it the draft kicks off we've got three full days every pick of the draft from kansas city a couple of other things follow us on twitter Um, join the patreon if you want to see those rankings they'll be dropping out they will all be out before the draft i need to emphasize that we've had lots of questions from listeners when are they coming when are they coming yes all the rankings will be out given out to the patrons before the draft so yeah, we just didn't want to release anything like before we actually watched all these guys because all of a sudden you'd show up yeah. and you're like, God, I really I, I, Parker Washington is like wide receiver six, you know, and if we put him out in January, we wouldn't. So, you know, yeah, and, and getting to listen, we're look, we're lucky. We're extremely lucky and thankful and grateful to all of you for making this possible because we get to listen to really smart people tell us about how they see the draft class. And if JT had come on and been like, Jay Kaner's the guy. I can't believe we would have been like, oh, we need to go back to film. Um, but, yeah, it, it just makes all of it better. Our eyes, their eyes, all of this sort of everything compiled into those rankings. And this year they're taking a big step up. The way they look, 
the amount of information, the type of information that's contained in there. Um, some of it you probably won't find other places, and we're pretty excited about that. So perfect time to thank all the executive producers of the show could not do all of this could not do casey could not do the rankings could not do the shows could not do the guests without all of you so big shout out to marat consti caden andrew taylor liam connor joey and mike l for supporting the show we love you all glad you love the work and uh we're gonna see you real soon uh probably from a location uh that is not our respective homes uh and we're excited about that so we'll see you then later folks around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader